Hi, this is Dave Garcia, president of Rancho Mesa. Thank you for joining me today and listening to my interview with Paul Zamora, the senior vice president for underwriting for ICW. This is brought to you by Studio One, our safety and risk management network. Today, we'll be talking with Paul about the recent executive order signed by Governor Newsom pertaining to COVID-19 and the impacts it will have. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the show. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me. Sure. So to begin, Paul, uh, tell us a little bit about your background and your role within ICW. Sure. I've been uh, in the work comp space now for about 27 years, uh, always on the carrier side and always in the underwriting department. Started my career back in 1993 with a carrier called Zenith Insurance Company uh, here in California. And I came to ICW Group in July of 06 to run the work comp line of business uh, for the company. So I've been here in San Diego with ICW for about 14 years now. Just a little bit about ICW Group. We are headquartered here in San Diego but we do write in, in 21 states. And, and I'm proud to say we're the third largest writer of comp in California. My direct role here at ICW Group is I'm responsible for the profit and loss statement for the work comp line of business, but I directly supervise the underwriting units and the risk management unit. Okay, great. Wow, Paul, that's quite a career. And uh, I know you, so I know you're still a young guy, so you've got a lot of years ahead of you as well. <laughs> <laughs> I feel older and older uh, every day. <laughs> so anyway, Paul, last week, Governor Newsom, as you know, issued that executive order, and it's going to have a big impact, we think, on the California workers' compensation marketplace. So let's take a, a minute and kind of go through some of the highlights and talk about what those things mean to us. So to start with, the time period the order calls for is from when the stay shelter-in-place order was first given at March 19th, and it'll go 60 days from that order, which would take us to about July the 5th. How do you think this is going to work retroactively back to March 19th and then forward from there? Yeah, what it essentially does is it creates two different rules to operate under from a claim standpoint. Believe it or not, we have some COVID claims that have come in within it with a date of injury prior to March 19th. Those get operated under a different rule. And what I mean by that is that the rule that was in place before that was the presumption was it was not work-related and it was up to the employee to prove that it was work-related. And so any claim prior to March 19th will continue to operate under that rule. Uh, any claim post-March 19th or on March 19th, March 19th or later will operate under Governor Newsom's executive order, which is as long as you meet the criteria, which today is pretty much any business is, business is up and running where they have employees that are actually showing up to their location or, their, or, or not working from home is how I look at it because somebody on the road would technically qualify for working at the employer's location. But the rule then is that it's presumed it is work-related and it's up to the employer or the carrier to prove that it was not work-related. So it's just, it's creating just two different rules by picking a March 19th date. There is rules in the executive order on if you feel like you have COVID-19 prior to the executive order, but it was it was after March 19th. There are certain things you have to do to, to prove that you got it, but it falls under the new rules. It would be deemed uh, work-related unless the carrier or the employer is able to prove that it was not. Yeah, so that was a really great summary of the bill. And there's so much you know meat on that bone inside of that. And so one of the things you mentioned is that it, this applies to all businesses, not just essential businesses. And I know there was some discussion 
that this was going to be limited just to those businesses that were essential, but it, it's much broader than that, isn't it, Paul? It is. He doesn't even use, if you read his, his executive order, he's not even really using the, the word essential business. What he's really saying is if you were up and running, you were open, and the, your employer was asking you to, to work and, and do specific job duties at their location, and again, we, we interpret at their location as a job site for construction workers, a delivery driver who's out on the road making deliveries. It just really is not applying to somebody who's working at home that you, you can qualify. And then there's other things that, that an injured worker would have to do to, to prove, to meet the criteria, like a, a positive test from a doctor and things of that nature. But it really isn't just for healthcare and fire and police. It's for any business that is up and running during the stay-at-home order. Yeah, and I know one of the things that you mentioned is it is a rebuttable presumption. So that that in one sense is good news because there was a chance it could have been a conclusive presumption, meaning you couldn't even dispute it at all. But it does, as you said, Paul, it does. That is a difference here because it shifts the burden of proof from the employee proving that he contracted or she contracted the uh, COVID-19 at work to now the employer and or their carrier proving they didn't get it at their workplace. That's a big shift. How do you see that impacting you know, claims and things like that for you guys? Yeah, I mean, it's a big shift. I agree with you that it was, it was a little bit of a win because there were talks about it, it just being a conclusive presumption, which you couldn't argue that it was not work-related. And I think that's important for people to understand that, that the order does allow for the employer or the carrier to try to say, I don't know if this was work-related or I don't feel it was work-related and, and try to prove that it wasn't. It's a challenge. I think it will be somewhat challenging to, in 30 days, because that's really what you got is 30 days to do it, to try to get enough evidence to say, you know, I have proof that, you know, his wife had it or her husband had it at work. And it was a high probability that that individual got it from home or somewhere else. Right. It's going to be challenging. It really puts a challenge on, on us, the system. But again, we were at least fortunate that it was a rebuttable presumption rather than a conclusive presumption. Yeah, exactly. And, they, and it looked to me, too, as I read through it, that as far as what is the threshold for eligibility. So it's a positive COVID-19 test. That's kind of a straightforward answer. Or a diagnosis by a certified physician which is a little bit different because it did not require a positive test, but then the test, if it's through a certified physician, do I have this right, Paul? If it's through a certified physician, then within 30 days, it has to have had a positive test for COVID. Is that how that's going to work? That's correct. So it would technically qualify if a doctor just does an analysis and says, yeah, you have it, you look like you have it it would technically qualify and then they have to have that positive test confirming it within 30 days, which again could be a challenge being that we only have 30 days to accept or deny the claim. So if they try to get that positive test very late, we'd have to get notified almost immediately kind of a thing. That is correct. So, and the certified physician is a good one as well because what they couldn't do is have a chiropractor or an acupuncturist or somebody like that say this this is the injury or this is this is why uh 
uh, we believe it's work-related. It has to be a doctor. I, I'll let you know in talking to our claims department, we get a lot of claims coming in the door through their treating physician is a chiro or the treating physician is somebody wow. other than what you're looking at here. So it at least eliminates some of those those groups where in some cases you might feel the claim is not necessarily legit. In this case, it does have to be a, a certified physician. And that if you read the language, it's they get into a pretty detailed definition of what a certified physician is. Yeah, so I guess the executive order is about a week or so old now, Paul. Have you found your phone ringing more in your claims department over the last week or so with questions or claims? We are getting a lot of questions. We are a little behind, I would say, but we are sending out a notice to all our agents in the church today, kind of outlining how we interpret the law because we were getting a lot of calls and questions on what does it mean, how does it impact me, and so we're trying to be in front of it as best as possible. And we are sending it out, like I said, just every agent appointed, every insured we, we do business with because they might have operations in California or they might future have operations in California and would be impacted by it. But yeah, what we haven't seen so far, and it's only been in play for a few days, obviously, is a rash of COVID claims coming through the door yet. Yeah, I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. Then, Paul, from my understanding, Sacramento is back in session. I think they went back in session this week that there's a couple of Senate bills and an assembly bill that's being circulated up there that each of those kinds of deal, they each deal with COVID-19 to some degree. How do you see them interacting with the executive order? Could there be additional clarity or could there be possibly even conflicts? And then what would happen? Yeah, we're aware of four today. Believe it or not, there's four that are being talked about and discussed. And if passed, they would actually supersede the executive order. So this could take place of the executive order. There's one in there that's that's really trying to, to do that, to, to kind of codify and solidify what the governor's order is. But there's others in there that would differ. So the four that we're aware of is Assembly Bill 664, Senate Bill 1159, Senate Bill 893, and Assembly Bill 196. And I'll give you a quick summary of, of each one of them. Every one of them, as you, as you mentioned, Dave, it's really trying to, to take COVID and say, we believe it's work-related. For Assembly Bill 664, it's really trying to create a conclusive presumption for COVID-19 claims, but just for what I would call first responders, police, fire, they're talking about certain healthcare jobs as well, but it would be not rebuttable. So it'd be a conclusive presumption that basically says, if a firefighter gets it, you can't fight it, you're going to pay it. So that's Assembly Bill 664. Senate Bill 1159, the Senate's actually having a hearing on it today based on the committee notes that we had access to and we were reviewing. That one is really trying to codify and clarify Governor Newsom's executive order. And it looks like it's also trying to determine a path for how do you handle COVID-19 claims um, in terms of work comp after July 5th of 2020. And so I think Mm -hmm. they're trying to address some of those issues they're going to keep it, what it looks like the rebuttable presumption in there, so we wouldn't lose that. And then there's uh, Senate Bill 893, and that is really more towards hospital workers. They're trying to say we want hospital workers to be covered for COVID-19. They would keep the rebuttable presumption. So if this one goes in, it would be kind of um, odd in that this one wants hospital workers. The governor's executive order is saying pretty much any business that's open, and so you might have two in play to some degree, working hand-in-hand. Hand. It's just a little more clear on hospitals versus what the executive order is. 
And then there's Assembly Bill 196, and that one's pretty broad. That one is is wanting COVID to be deemed work-related for all essential workers. And they, they specifically say that it's mentioned, it's deemed in the governor's executive order, but there really is no essential employee in the, gover- in, the, in the governor's executive order. It's any business that's open. And the scary thing on this one is it would be a conclusive presumption is what they're pushing for. Um, okay. And so they, they want it to be that if, if there were essential business mentioned in the governor's order, if there's a COVID claim, that it would be a conclusive presumption, which means an employer carrier would not be able to, to argue that it's not work-related. Wow, so that's a big spectrum of bills there that each have various impacts. How will that work? Do you see any of those coming out pretty quickly and being signed, or do you think some will be joined together? Can they? How will that work with so many bills dealing with the same topic? I think what you you would hope to have happen, and what usually happens, is somehow they find a way to get together, or some lose some support and they jump onto another one. I'd be very surprised if all four of them in some way, shape, or form get moved forward, I think they'll land on something that blends everything together. We do see, we do see somewhere in the future that it won't just be the governor's executive order, that somehow legislature will actually pass a bill for COVID and try to clarify exactly who's covered and what are the rules that we have to operate under. I think they're all concerned when you start looking at a lot of these bills um, they are concerned about the impact to the insurance community and the business owners, and so that's a good thing. And they are also trying to focus on making sure that those people that really deserve the benefits, they really do feel like they, they were work-related injuries, that the money is going to those folks and not, not others. Yeah, well, and that's really why workers' compensation is in place, is to cover those people that are injured at work. It's interesting. There's probably more questions unanswered than answered at this stage, and it's just great to have you on the line and talking to you about what you see happening. It sounds like it's such a fluid situation. It could change again next week if one of these bills were to make it through, and then we'll be back on the phone with you again talking to you. Paul, is there anything else specific to the executive order that you'd like to mention to anybody today before we wrap up? The only thing I would mention is with the executive order in place, it's more important than ever if if an employee reports to their employer that they feel like they got COVID at work, that it gets reported timely. We always feel it's important to report claims timely because the clock starts ticking in terms of our ability to thoroughly investigate the claim to make sure that we're getting the facts so that we can manage and handle it effectively. And and with this being a 30-day investigation period, we have 30 days to accept or deny the claim. If we don't deny it within 30 days, then it is deemed compensable. So it's very important that employers out there, when notified by the employee that they have it, whether they feel it's legitimate or not, that it gets reported so that we do have the opportunity to do our due diligence from an investigation standpoint. Yeah, you know, that's just a great tip in general. I know it's uh, best practices to report claims as quickly as you're aware of them as you're an employer out there. But in this COVID situation, because the investigation period for deniability has been reduced from 90 to 30 days, it's even that much more important. I know that businesses may have questions, but the best person to get those answers from would be to talk to your workers' compensation carrier immediately and get their advice on how to move forward. 
Well, listen, Paul, I've taken up a lot of your time here. I want to thank you for joining me and sharing your thoughts today about the impacts of the executive order. I'm sure those insights will certainly help us all become better at navigating the future. So thanks for joining me today, Paul. Uh, my pleasure. I appreciate it, Dave. Thanks for having me. Thanks. That'll do it for today. Thank you for tuning in to Studio One, our safety and risk management network. Until next time, stay well. This is Alyssa Burley with Rancho Mesa. Thanks for tuning in to our latest episode produced by Studio One. For more information, visit us at RanchoMesa.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter.